Good morning once again. My name is Bruce Rokas, if you're new to Crosspoint, and I serve as one of the preaching and teaching pastors here. And we've been in a summer series called 10 Values That Build Strong Families. And basically what we're looking at are the 10 commandments. And before we get to the fourth commandment today, I want to ask you a few questions. Question number one. Do you ever get tired of just thinking about all that you have to do? Some of you right now are thinking, oh, Monday already? I'm not ready for tomorrow. And you're thinking of all the things you've got to do, and you are already checked me out because you're just moving on to all that other stuff. Don't do that. That'd be a big mistake. Do you ever find yourself just as fatigued on Monday morning as you are on Friday afternoon? Do you ever bring homework and use the weekend to catch up? Do you ever feel guilty when you just relax for a moment? Today's message is God's Word to Workaholics. Would you agree with me that workaholism hurts families? It does. Now, before we get to the verse I want to look at today, let's do a quick review If you haven't been here the last three weeks, well, let's just get you caught up real quick. The first week, we looked at the first commandment, and I'm giving you little visual pictures, little word pictures that you could see to help you remember these. I taught three young men this morning, all Ten Commandments, in order, in like 35, 40 minutes. I'll tell you their names if you want to test them later. But the first one's a red ribbon. It just means there's only one God and He should be first place in our life. And if we just obeyed that first one, we wouldn't need the other nine. But God knows we slack off sometimes. And so He gave us number two. It's likened to the first, but it's a man bowing down to a a statue, an image, uh, an idol, if you will. Don't do that. The Bible says don't make an idol with your hands and worship it or with your mind and create an image of God in your own likeness or in your own way of thinking. God should be like this. That's idol worship. The third one we looked at last week was, uh, those are lips, by the way. Don't use your lips to dishonor God. You know, we should use our lips to, to worship God, not use His name like a cuss word or an oh wow. Reverence the name of God. But now we're looking at the fourth commandment. Exodus 20, verses 8 and 9, read it like this. Uh, Oh, by the way, there's the fourth commandment. Uh, And and, and I put that in the form of, I I didn't do this. This this came from my wife's, I think, fourth grade Sunday school class. She was teaching them years ago. And I go, hey, what do you got there in your hand? She goes, well, these are the Ten Commandments. So I go, man, I know them, but I remember in college taking a test on those. I can never get them in order. But when I remembered the pictures in order, it helped me to remember all Ten Commandments. Well, where do you read about the fourth commandment? In the Bible. So it's in the shape of a four. Does that make sense? All right. So, let's go to Exodus 20, verses 8 and 9. It reads like this. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. On that day, do no work. Pretty simple, pretty clear, isn't it? Anybody have any trouble understanding that one there? So why do we break it so often? I I think this is the most broken commandment that people 
commit on a regular basis. I mean, what would you think of somebody who broke the sixth commandment on a regular basis? Some of you are thinking, one, two, three, four, what's the number six? Thou shalt not murder. <laughs> what do they say? Ah, no big deal. You know, I'm just kind of a serial killer. You'd go, and you call yourself a Christian, and yet you violate the sixth commandment? All the time? Or the seventh commandment, don't commit adultery, and you don't think that's such a big deal? Or the eighth commandment, don't steal. Ninth, don't lie. Tenth, don't covet. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's not all that big a deal. Did you know what the penalty was for breaking the fourth commandment? Remember, these are all in descending order, by the way. God being number one is the most important. The, the same penalty for the sixth commandment, death. Did you know that? On, on the Sabbath day, if you lived under the Old Testament law, and you picked up sticks on the Sabbath to make fire or whatever you were going to do with it, you were stoned to death. There's a story in the Bible, we won't take time to read it, where that happened to a man. You say, well, man, that just doesn't seem right. I mean, I could see murder, you know, a life for a life, but a guy just picking up sticks? with the poor guy, what's God thinking? Now, wait a second. That guy's not such a poor guy. What, what had that guy seen? What was he an eyewitness to? He saw ten plagues come upon Egypt, and Pharaoh says, you can go. And then they had a big payday. When they left Egypt, they left rich. He was an eyewitness to those ten plagues. And then he gets out there by the Red Sea, and Pharaoh changes his mind, and he goes to make them captives again, and he sees the Red Sea open up. Would that be impressive? And then you walk across on dry land. And then you turn around and you see Pharaoh following in the Red Sea. And then all that water swallowed them up. Eyewitness to that. And then to go to Mount Sinai and see God in all of His fullness and glory of the, of the thunder and the lightning and, and Moses going up on the mountain and receiving the Ten Commandments and bringing them back. And Moses in the presence of God, the Bible says His face shone. He was, had a shiny face. The Shekinah glory of God was upon him. And he had to put a veil over his face because the people were afraid because he had been with God. This dude was an eyewitness to that. This guy saw a pillar of cl cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God's presence was in the camp. And God says, look, there are four biggies. Deal with me. Don't pick up sticks on Saturday. And in an act of open rebellion, knowing all that he knew, he went ahead and did it anyway. And God says, hey, we're just starting off as a little congregation, but we better get the rules down straight pretty quick. And so I want you guys to know how to relate to me. This man is to be taken outside the camp and stoned to death. True story. In the Bible. You say, oh, but Bruce, come on, you know, we don't live under the Ten Commandments anymore. They've been, boom, 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 nailed to the cross. We live under the New Testament, not under the Old Testament. Agreed, I'm with you on that, but stop and think for a moment. The principle of the Sabbath rest still holds true today, doesn't it? Just as much as you don't murder people, you don't lie, you don't, you know, steal, those principles are still applicable to all of us because the Sabbath was made for our benefit. Look at Exodus 35.2. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. So why do we ignore this commandment so much? 
Well, I don't think we think it's that big of a deal, do we? We haven't really thought about this being a big deal, even though it's fourth on the list. You know, we can get murder, we can get that adultery thing, we can get that stealing. But, eh, it's just taking a day off to rest my body and think about God. Not such a big deal. I don't feel tired today, so I don't think I'll rest. Hmm, big mistake. What is the Sabbath, by the way? Take a look up here on the screen. What, what does it even mean? The Sabbath is the antidote to burnout. Here's what it means. Day of rest. Again and again, it's called a day of rest. Take one day off every seven days. Why? To prevent burnout. In Mark 2.27, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to benefit man, not the other way around. It is for our benefit to take a day off every seven days to recharge our batteries, so to speak, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So, number two, big point takeaway, what do we do on the Sabbath? How do I keep it holy? Well, you keep it holy by using it the way that God intended me to use it. And God wants you and I to use the Sabbath to rest, recharge, and refocus. So, the first thing you might want to do is use that day to rest your body. Just take a day of rest. Psalm 127.2 says, God wants His loved ones to get their proper, what's the next word? Rest. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Nothing difficult to get here. And, and God, as a matter of fact, thought this commandment to be so important that He did it as an example to us. He created the world in six days, but on the seventh day, He what? rested. Not that he was tired, worn out by creating, you know, the earth and the universe and solar systems, you know. He could have kept on creating galaxy after galaxy, but as a model to us, he took a day off. It just rest means he ceased his work. He could have kept going, but he doesn't. He ceased his work as an example for us. And so if God did that, we should follow his example. So now you have the biblical basis for a Sunday afternoon nap. But today, because we're having a meal together tonight, take a short one and come on back tonight. Be here ready to go, 5 o'clock sharp. And uh, I even understand we let you, don't we need a few helpers to come a little bit early? All right, so come early if you can and let's get the tables and chairs up so we can all enjoy some time together tonight. You know, today we live with more work-saving devices, so I used to think. I kind of like my dumb phone, but now i got a smartphone, and I have to do so many texts and so many things, emails. It's a, it's a work-saving device. I don't know that I'd want to go back to the old days when if you need to make a phone call and you were driving down the street, you had to look for a, anybody remember the days, a telephone booth? And I remember when it was a dime, you would put it in, and then when it went up to a quarter, and then 35 cents, and then 50 cents, like, are you kidding me? And then the first cell phones came out that cost, what, like $5,000 or something like that. Now, you know, I think 49 bucks for this one. It's a work-saving device, but... We have computers that are supposed to save us time and energy. But are you saving time? Do you feel like you're getting... It's work, isn't it? You're, and, and it's almost like you're constantly working now. 
and not taking the necessary breaks that you so you're nice and head nodding, some heads nodding. You know what I'm talking about with cell phones and emails and text. Inc. Magazine did a survey, and they found out that 62% of the people in America say, "I have burned out," or "I'm well on my way." That's over half the country, folks. Seems like we're working harder. And, and what's that famous saying from whoever, uh, well, I don't know where it originally started. Uh, I heard it from Rick Warren. He says, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not nearly as bright as you think you are. You know, you can have so many irons in the fire that you end up putting out the fire. Well, God's saying, don't do that. That is a dumb, stupid mistake. Did he really say stupid? Yeah, look at Ecclesiastes 10, 15. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. Like the old Indian proverb, you break the bow if it's always bent. See, if it's always under pressure, if you've always got the string on there tight, yeah, I can understand when you're going out to hunt, but when you get done with the hunt, you loosen it, <sighs> relax it. It lasts longer. And so for some of you today, the most spiritual thing you could do is go home and take a nap. That's what God is instructing you to do. Number two, don't just use it to rest your body. Use it to recharge your emotions. In the French Revolution, when uh, the new government took over and they got rid of all the old laws, they said, we don't need those old antiquated laws anymore. And one of the laws was uh, the Sabbath law, you, you know, don't go to church. They closed down the churches, and people could work seven days a week. And after about three months of that, you know what happened? They rescinded that law and put it back in because they found out that people's bodies were breaking down after about three months of working nonstop. Emotionally, spiritually, they were becoming bankrupt. And they, well, they said that law is not so bad after all. You don't break God's laws, they end up breaking you, really, is what happens. Your health collapses. So how do I recharge my emotions? Well, include time for quietness. The 23rd Psalm says in 23.3, He leads me beside what kind of waters? Quiet, still waters. And that's where my soul gets restored. He restores my soul. Quietness and soul restoration go together in the Bible. Some people leave town for the weekend to get some rest. But they don't really. They don't get any quiet, quietness. You know, they pack up all the camping gear or the boat or the jet skis or whatever they're going to do and they go to the lake or the river or something. They go to the beach and the mountains and the desert. And man, then they have to unpack it all and then they play real hard all day and the next day and then Sunday evening they got to start packing it all up. And then they got to drive all the way home. Those are the, you see the freeways all clogged at, on Sunday nights with people trying to get home. Do they look rested to you? I mean, they are tired. They got away, but no quietness. No rest. And then when they get home, well, they got to unpack it all. They got to do laundry. And then, oh, well, by the way, you know, they get to bed at midnight and they got to get up Monday morning and go to work again. Exhausted. Look at Mark 6.31. Jesus says, you know what? Guys, when you work, work, work. Sometimes you need to step back and rest. There were so many people coming and going. Jesus said to his disciples, 
guys, let's get out of here by ourselves. Why? Let's go be alone. Why? So we can rest for a while. Rest is a part of God's plan for your life. And then we should also include some family time on our Sabbath. Historically in America, Sunday was used for two things. Going to church and family. The Sunday afternoon meal, so to speak. Where the whole family came together. Kind of like what we're going to be doing tonight. and Having some fried chicken together and a bunch of good side dishes. I know my wife's bringing a salad, so I know... There's going to be at least one side dish here tonight. I hope others are in the loop on that, by the way. That's a good idea to have a Sunday evening meal together. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. Did you know that married people live longer than single people? It's a fact. Proverbs 14.30 says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. You want to live a long time? God says, Chill out. Relax. Take some time off. Have some fun with your family. Men, go home today and talk with your wife and play with your kids. Or if you prefer, you know, talk to the kids and play with your wife. I don't care how you, what order you do it in, but just do it. Jane and I were blessed this past week. We both got to spend time with family on both sides of the family. With our little Rokas family and the grandkids, and you know, with the the the, uh, the family, the other side of the family, and it was all fun, all good. So, God wants you to spend time with family, but then He also wants us to fellowship. He wants the church to come together and fellowship. We need time with fellow believers. Amen. Uh, I just think it's important. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews ten twenty five puts it like this. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. That's what we're doing right now. Some of us got here a little bit early. We had some Bible class time together. We had some fellowship time together out here in the portico. And now we're meeting together and we're opening up God's word and we're seeing what he has to say about the Sabbath day. But he says, instead, let us encourage one another. When we get together it should be a time of encouraging each other. And one of the things I love is uh, the greeting time. And the praise team comes out and, and uh, they lead us in a song. And it was kind of cool today where Scott you know, thought you know, about all those victims of the shooting yesterday and the families and the people that are hurting in El Paso, Texas and spent some prayer time. But then he said, now let's greet one another. Let's encourage one another. We know we live in a fallen world, but you know what? And... I was up in the balcony, and, and Ron and I were up there. I go, I love this. Is my favorite part of the service. Look down there. I look, I look at the people hugging. Man, and, and there, actually, there were handshakers too, but there were a lot of people hugging. Ron says, hey, we're still a hugging church, aren't we? I go, that's right, Ron. We hug at Woodier. I love that. It's a good thing. Haven't you had Sunday mornings where you just didn't feel like getting up? And we've talked about this before, but you pushed yourself, and you came, and and you got here, and you were glad that you did, right? Because there was encouragement in the body, in the family. Emotionally recharged. And then the third way we are to use our 
Sabbath day is to refocus our spirit. Psalm 95.6 Come, let us bow down in worship before who? The Lord our Maker. Wow, think about that. The one that created me. The one that created you. Our Maker. He's God and I'm not. I have no problem bowing down to God. I'm not going to bow down to a stupid idol. And I'm not going to stay home and turn a holy day into a holiday. I'm going to bow down before my Maker. Sunday is a day of worship. As a matter of fact, we meet over here before coming out on the stage with the, the praise team. And, um, and one of the things someone always prays or we always remind ourselves, we are here to lead worship, but it's for an audience of one, our Maker. That's who we're worshiping. Now, when our praise team really gets into worship, guess what it helps you do? They're not here for your entertainment value. They're here to help you to connect with the Lord God, our Maker. They worship to help you worship one God. It's an audience of one. He is the one that we are to worship. The tragedy is many people use their day off to take care of so many other things, like physical needs and the laundry and the, and the lawn needs to be mowed. And Oh, then there's that rec- recreational stuff. And they do everything else but the spiritual need that they have. And they walk around with a spiritual void in their life. A void that can only be filled by God. It's a big mistake. And I have people say to me, well, you know, Sunday is the only day I have to do X, Y, or Z. Well, you see how important the Sabbath is? God said, yeah, yeah, that may be true, but maybe if you rescheduled your life in such a way and made God a priority, He would give you more time. When you put God first, God has a way of working things out. But America has a way of just turning Sunday into fun day. Holy days into holidays. And most people think life in two categories. Work and play. You know, I go to work to get more money so I can play. God says it shouldn't be like that at all. Mark 8, 36 says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Here's a dude that's made a lot of money. As a matter of fact, he's got the whole world. And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a good question, isn't it? I think God says, every seven days you need to ask yourself that question. What am I exchanging my life for? We need to have our priorities in the right place, examining our priorities on a regular basis. Fathers, if you want to teach your children, you want a practical way of being the spiritual leader in your home, um, it's real simple. Faithfully attend worship service. See, you don't teach your children values. You model them. And when you model them, your children will follow suit. Uh, When you buy a new car, what do you get in the glove box? Owner's manual. 
And in that owner's manual, there's a maintenance schedule. It reads something like this, you know, every so often change the oil, uh, change the transmission fluid, you know, change the, rotate the tires, change the belts, all that sort of stuff. Because when you do that on a regular basis, your vehicle will run better and last longer. Well, this book right here, this is your owner's manual for life. And God says, every seven days, take a day off, rest your body, and think about me. And you will work better and last longer. Get it? Good. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for a good audience today. I know there's a lot of people out of town. Uh, summer is here, and I know that there's people that need travel mercies. Bring them home to us soon. Bless us tonight with the wonderful meal that's being prepared, and help us to have some more good time of fellowship together. But help us to remember your words. You said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus provides rest for your soul. Father, thank you for the Sabbath rest. Help us all to rest our bodies. Help us to recharge our emotions and refocus our spirits on you. And then help us to model that for others, for our children if we have them, our grandkids if we have them. And then those of you that may be hearing the voice of the Lord, you've never named him as your Lord and Savior. He says, today if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. Receive God's free gift for you. The abundant life you will only find in Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there be one today that needs to do that, may it be so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.